Welcome to Our Stories. I'm your host, Josh Awin. I'll be discussing with my guests stories about what makes them Jewish. We'll dive into their bonds to Judaism and what they hope to pass on to the next generation. Regardless of denomination, gender, or geography, I hope to highlight the commonality between us all through these episodes. Thank you for joining me for these stories, our stories. First question is, what's your name? Uri. Uri. And where are you from? Give a time to Israel. And you've lived here your whole life? Uh, no. We spent four and a half years in South Africa. Okay. As representative of the Jewish Agency. Whereabouts? Uh, Johannesburg. But I traveled all around South Africa. Southern Africa. Not just South Africa, but Southern Africa. To Zimbabwe and uh, Are there Namibia. lots of Jews down in Zimbabwe? There used to be. Not, never a lot. Yeah. At the early 20th century, at a certain stage, South Africa stopped uh, the immigration of Jews. The whole Lithuanian Jewish community moved to South Africa. Mm -hmm. At a certain stage, they stopped the immigration. And those Jews who couldn't manage to arrive in South Africa, they arrived in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. So they were, at the peak, it was something like 13,000 Jews there in Zimbabwe. Oh. But when I was in South Africa, only 600 left. Really? They all came back here, they all just dispersed. Many of them made Aliyah, mm -hmm. many of them left for South Africa. Okay. Interesting. So thinking back on your life and thinking back on, on your specific life, is there, is there a, a Jewish memory that you have from very, very, like your very first Jewish memory from, from growing up as a kid here in Israel? It must be my grandpa. I had two grandpas. Uh, I had grandpa and grandma from my mother's side, from my father's side. Um, I was a very grandparents' child. I loved my grandparents. I used to spend a lot of time there. And they were very different people. My grandfather from my father's side, he was a very senior police officer in Israel. He was a Freemason. He was like very prominent figure in Israel, a very famous, relatively famous person. He was physically a very impressive guy. Blonde, tall, huge guy. Uh, spoke Arabic fluently, spoke English fluently. And uh, he was a frum guy. He didn't, he didn't go with a kippah every day. He used to wear a hat. And he used to go to synagogue every, every Friday night and Shabbat morning. And I just loved him. You know, I, I, he was a great storyteller and he... He was the commander of the Jewish quarter in the big Arab rebellion, and I tried to assassinate him like three times. He, and this guy had stories, you know. As a little kid, I used to sit on his lap and like drinking his stories, you know. He, it was amazing, really. And he was an amazing guy. Is there one memory you have of, of an interaction with him? Is there, is, whether it's sitting at, your, at his table there was, or? He had a, most of his, there's a big story with his family. If, you would, if you're interested, I sure. can tell you this story. He was born in Poland, in Lvov. That's the city where they were born. And there were a few brothers and sisters. He made Aliyah in the early 20s, and he joined the Palestinian police as a Jewish policeman. He wanted to become an officer. It was quite rare. There were only maybe four or five Jewish officers at the time. He was part of the elite police units and he also was in the CID that's the detectives he was like kind of a detective 
His sister made Aliyah also, and his parents made Aliyah in the 20s also, but one brother was left in Poland, and him and his family were perished in the Holocaust. Only one daughter left. She survived by partisans and arrived in the early four, late 40s to Israel. Her name was Ruti, and I remember her as a, as a little kid. And uh, he's got another sister who stayed in Poland, and she was married to a very famous... Jewish doctor in Poland. And apparently they survived the Holocaust because he took name of a Polish soldier who died. And after the, the defeat of the Nazis and the capture of the Soviets of Poland, he became a very famous Polish doctor and he became a senior officer in the Polish army as a doctor. And at the late 80s, I visited Poland and I tried to get hold of my family. Because I knew that I have my grandfather's sister who was married to this doctor, and I had also information about their son. And I was, I was, I was getting a phone numbers from Rutka, Ruth, that was this daughter of... Mm -hmm. And I tried to call them, and they didn't want to have any connection with me. And later I discovered that the son of my grandfather's sister was the housing minister in the government of Poland after the communist era. The first democratic government, Mazowiecki was the prime minister, he was a, a minister of housing in the Polish government, a Jew. And probably he didn't want to have any connection with us because Israel, Jews, you know, yeah. whatever. And, uh, and that's it, that's about this story. Mm -hmm. And um, a few years ago, they opened a new museum in Warsaw, the Jewish museum of the Jewish community of Poland. Mm -hmm. And my mother visited there two years ago and she came back and said to me and my sister that this is one of the most amazing museums she ever visited. And she said, you must come with me there. And we said, okay, and a year ago, we decided to have a long weekend, which we will visit the museum. Prior to our departure to Poland, it was two weeks before we leave for Poland, I said to my mother and my sister, let's try and get hold of our family there. We have a family there, we knew. They didn't have to have contact with us, but it's like generation ago, maybe things changed. And they said, you don't have any chance to find out them. How can you find out them? We don't have anything. Mm -hmm. I remember the name of the minister. His name was Alexander Pashinsky. His father's name was Finkelstein, but he became Pashinsky. And there is a rule, when we, are, we, when we go together someplace and we get lost, and we want to find each other, we don't have cell phones, we go back to the last place where we were together. That's, that's kind of a rule. Mm -hmm. So I started from there. I knew that there's a guy by the name of Alexander Pashinsky who was a minister in Poland. So I get into Google, and I started to Google about him. And I got into the same, the same as the Polish parliament. Yeah. And I got his name, and I found out that he died 10 years ago. A lot of information about him. He was an activist, anti-communist. He was a, um, a journalist. Amazing stuff about him. Nothing on his personal life, but I knew he's got children. Okay, so when I do Alexander Pashinsky, I get his name first, same Polish name, but when I Google him, down the line, like seven results, eight results, there's another Alexander Pashinsky. I click there, 
and I get into, uh, it was Facebook or something, and there's a guy by the name of Alexander Pashinsky. And I looked at him, and I see my grandfather. <laughs> and I said to myself, wow. And then I also remembered that, not in Israel, but in, out of Israel, among the Goyim, there's a habit that you, you call your son your name. It's like George Bush the son, George the second. Yeah. If it gets got like an important father. Junior. A junior, you know, it's yeah, the same like, name. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they're related. It was already late at the night, I, I won't forget this evening. I'm calling my mother, like 11 p.m., and I said to my mother, Mom, I think I, I found something. She said, what? She said, I found a guy. He, he looks like Grandpa Yosef. What do you say? I cut, you got a note yeah. eight also? I got the note, I cut this picture, and I sent it to my mother through the WhatsApp. She calls me five minutes, and she says, he's one of us. <laughs> when I saw him, I knew that he's a family of us. There was something in his face. It was so prominent. And my wife asking, what are you doing? What? Then I was trying to look for him. Facebook, what he's doing, he's a consultant, he's working with the Polish government, tourism ministry, bonk, he's got a blog. Uh-huh. And in the blog, he's got an email address. So it's already like 11.30 at night, and I'm writing him an email. My mom said, you're crazy, what are you doing? He's, he doesn't know you, what do you want from him? And I write, hi, Alexander, my name is Uri, I'm the grandson of Josef Brina. I know that my grandfather had a sister who was married to whatever, and I know they had a son who was a minister in the Polish government. And if in any case you are related to this story, I would appreciate if you can contact me. And if not, I'm sorry. Mistake. Sorry. And I'm sending it to him. I go to the bathroom to prepare myself to sleep. I get into the bed, the phone is near me. And I can't get sleep, really. You know, my, my thoughts and yeah. my mind, everything. And at 15 minutes past 12, it's a gling, gling. My wife jumps, I jump. I take the phone, and he writes to me, yes, I'm his son. And I didn't know I have a family in Israel. I knew that we're Jewish, in a way. And we would like to meet you, and, whatever. and, and I'm writing him. In two weeks' time, we are in Warsaw. And we got an hotel few weeks before I contacted him, and it ended up that his office was next to the hotel we had. No. God, my witness. We get down on the, uh, the, the ground floor of the hotel, walk 20 meters, and we're in his office, next to our hotel. And he tells us, you arrive into Warsaw, early in the morning, you're gonna have morning coffee with me. So we went there, we called him, he went down, there's a coffee shop there. He was sweating from, from excitement. And tell us who you are, how are you related? And we started to ask him, do you have brothers and sisters? And who are we? Are there other cousins or whatever? And we found out a whole network of family there. So we had one evening with his wife and his son. And, and we have a family. We have cousins, second cousins in, in, in Poland. It's an amazing story, amazing. huh? That's amazing. And it all comes back to the memories you had of looking at your this... This icon of, uh, of yeah. your of your grandfather, yeah. who yeah. had you not been so close with him, you wouldn't have I think seen so. this face. I think so. Instantly, this is our people. And I, I went. I used to when I was a, a young kid. I used to go with him to shul. I, I was not really interested in praying, mm-hmm. but the whole atmosphere. And he he used to have a very nice voice, very musical. Mm-hmm. He used to go aliyah and sing all the praise and. Yeah. We also have some kind of a family tradition 
of how we read the Haggadah of Pesach. Mm-hmm. And since very you know, early childhood, I remember this. I'm also a musical person. And all this, it's like we sing it. Mm-hmm. The whole Haggadah, the whole three hours, we sing. It's our song. Yeah. I never heard anyone that does it. It's like yeah. ours. Yeah. And I have a very firm family in America. In, uh, you know, Brooklyn sure. and Borough Park, all this part. Yeah. And I was invited twice to spend uh, Pesach with Lel Seder with mm-hmm. my family there. And the half room with all the payers and everything. And, and I'm Chiloni, right? Okay. But then when it, when it comes my turn and I start praying and, and singing the Agadah and mm-hmm. our tradition, they're all like, wow, what's that? Where it's come from? It's so nice. It's so special. Yeah. It's amazing. That's, that, it's everything my grandpa. Yeah. So then if we kind of fast forward uh, um, into maybe later in your years, so that's that your youth has, has defined you in, in this way. Is there is there a moment in time that really maybe high school where or, or, or in those years that no, you can no, think no, back? No, but Judaism was not playing a major part in my life. Uh, only a later stage. Yeah. I worked already in the Jewish agency. I yeah. was a young guy. I think 27, 28 years old. And one day I've been called, I'm, I'm finished walked, I'm finished walking and I'm back home with my wife. I, we didn't have kids that time. It's only me and my wife. And it's like eight o'clock at night. I'm getting a phone call from the Jewish agency senior manager. Tells me, hi Uri, how are you? Fine. Please take everything you have. Come immediately to Jerusalem. I said, what happened? Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you over the phone. You must come now. I'm saying to my wife, sorry, but I have to go. She says, are you working in the Mossad or are you working in the Jewish agency? What is this to you? What is this nonsense? I said, yeah, that's my workplace. That's what they asked. I have to go. I'm driving to Jerusalem like I'm a sugar. Drive, I'm parking my car. It's already late at night. The old building of the Jewish agency is open. All with lights. Usually it's closed down. It's dark. It's huge crowd of people around there. I said, yeah, guy, what's going on? Get inside, they'll tell you. So I get inside. And they tell me that at the moment we talk, the Israeli Air Force, together with Israeli officials, are in Ethiopia. And they're bringing tonight the whole Ethiopian Jewry to Israel. <laughs> I said, come on, man. And they said, that's true. And the last planes are on the way to take off now. I said, you're kidding me. I said, no, 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 no. 13,000 people one night on the way here and you are being chosen to look after their integration in Jerusalem area. So we hired all the hotels in Jerusalem and they had a huge, I didn't know anything about it. It was all kept in secret. And we, they had a huge map of Jerusalem area, all the hotel, hotel Shalom, all the hotels, all was booked, all was taken. And I got a team of people. They gave me cash money, like thousands of shekels. And I, I was totally amazed. You shouldn't tell anything to anyone. My wife calls me. I said, I can't talk to you. I said, what's going on? And then they land. It was, I think, late at night, early morning. And then they land, the plane land. And they're telling us that they are on buses on the way to Jerusalem. And they're arriving late at night. And people in the streets and in the houses started to understand something is going on. So suddenly, you know, all the Yerushalmi people going on the streets, and you see these olima coming and they take going down from the from the buses with the traditional Ethiopian clothing. That was a moment I will never forget in my life. 
suddenly everyone were, were felt that they're part of something bigger than themselves, you know? And I said to myself, this is a remote Jewish community. Africans, Jews, have no relations to kind of a lobby. You could say that Israel will risk their life to help English Jews, American Jews, right? But this was not the case. We were trying to help and... and, 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 and population we were very remote from us yeah. but we still felt that they are part of our family that struck me that evening struck me of what is the essence of being part of a Jewish nation that that we have to take care of each other that have, even risk our lives because these pilots and these soldiers that went out there mm-hmm. they were in danger yeah. no one couldn't tell that you're going to end up totally successful yeah. it, was, it was a risk yeah is there something that you have found in your <coughs> parenting of your kids that you've seen? I know that you, you, you mentioned at the beginning that yeah. you've now seen that maybe your kids are pushing back the other way. Or, or My oldest son gives me, is giving me the, the worst time. He is giving me tough time because he, he's a very highly, he's a clever guy. He's got his SAT, I think, the highest possible. He's a really amazing guy, extremely clever. He knows everything. He's a guitar player, he's a musician, you know, everything he knows. And he's in the mindset of like one humanity in all nation is bullshit and we need to be like anyone else. And he doesn't mind marrying non-Jew. And if I ask him, who are you? He says, I'm a human being, you know, this kind of stuff. Nothing, <laughs> 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 your friend. And I'm trying, and he says, Dad, you also know the uh, Froom or you're keeping the Shabbat and stuff. You are a secular Jew. I said to him, yes, but still the, the notion of being part of this Jewish nation is, is something very strong with me. It's something I didn't, never gave up on. I'm not a uh, Froom Jew, or, but, but if you ask me who I am, I'm saying I'm a Jew. Yeah. I'm a Jew, I'm an Israeli, this is part of my identity, and I'm, I'm proud with it. Proud with this. My second son is much more like open to my perception. He likes this kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. My little daughter is very curious. She's interested. She's asking questions. But this guy, wow. And he's looking for this kind of, you know, like places where he can argue with me yeah. and who gives like the most yeah. provocative uh, arguments. And That's amazing. Perfect. <laughs> well, I appreciate all your stories. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope it was uh, it, very much so. Yeah.